I'm done. Please. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be God. I want you to decide what's right for me. I surrender to your will. How many of you have ever asked, what is God's will for my life? Any of you just raise your hand. We're nice and high. Yeah, probably most of us in here have asked that question at some point. How do I find or what is God's will for my life? And uh, this morning, we're going to look at some principles as we continue our series in the book of Genesis. The series we're calling Beginning Stories in Genesis. So if you want to go ahead and open up to Genesis uh, chapter 24, it's on page 9. If you're using one of those little Bibles that we've provided for you in the back. Starting a little ring there, but... Uh, Page 9, Genesis 24. You know, as many of us have raised our hands and said, hey, you know, I've asked, what's God's will for my life? Maybe you've read a book on it. Maybe you've done a Bible study on what is God's will for my life. And, uh, you know, we tend to, just as individuals, as finite humans, we tend to look at the small picture of things. What's going to affect me immediately? Right now, what's going to benefit me immediately? Whereas God looks at the big picture. He, he's looking at all of eternity when it comes to us. And the story before us in Genesis 24, man, it's a, it's a great story. It's a love story. Many of you know it as the story of Isaac and Rebekah. And in chapter 24 here, we're going to learn, as we look at this love story about Isaac and Rebekah, we're going to learn five essential principles about knowing God's plan for your life. Now, you notice there that I said, knowing God's plan for your life, not necessarily knowing God's will for your life. And I said that because, you see, there's a difference and in the past almost 20 years of uh, being in full-time ministry, I've had uh, countless people talk to me about what is God's will for their life? What should they do next? What should they do in this certain situation? How am I going to make this decision? I've got two choices here. Which one do I make? And all of those things. And I like to try to explain it like this. God's will is very easy for all of us to know. That's, that's God's will. It's easy to discover right in the pages of Scripture. There is God's will that is for all of us. Things like receive Christ, follow Him in baptism, honor your father and mother. It's God's will for every child, isn't it, parents? <laughs> yeah, and all the parents are like, yes, that is right. You know, that, that is for everybody. Pray without ceasing. You know, rejoice always, be thankful for everything. Uh, there's over 61 another's in the scripture that we're told to do as we uh, enjoy worship with one another in a, in a local church. And so we're all to do those. Be holy, be wise, be filled with the Spirit. Make disciples. Even things like sing unto the Lord. That is God's will for all of us. So if you look at the pages of Scripture, it's very easy to find God's will. And it's, it's the same for His people. Now, God's plan is different. God's plan is specific for you. If you say, well, what is God's 
plan for my life. That's different because it is very specific for you. And there's a, a lot that uh, goes into determining God's plan for you. Um, we're going to be looking at this story here in, in chapter 24. And it starts out with Abraham and the desire to find a bride for Isaac. And there's some other characters involved in, in this as well. But we can learn from this about discovering God's plan for our lives. Many people through the years have said, you know, what's God's will, will for my life? And what they really meant to ask is, what's God's plan for this specific thing? That's really what they're asking there. You know, God's plan is, should I take this job? Should we move? How many kids should we have? What church should I attend? You know, more specific things like that is what we're talking about when we mention God's plan for our lives. So let me give you a little background as we jump in uh, chapter 24 here. We have Abraham, who we've talked about uh, the last uh, several Sundays. He is an old man now. He's 140 years old, the Bible tells us. Remember, God promised him a son, Isaac. And Isaac is on the scene now. He's about 40 years old. Isaac's mother, Sarah, has passed away. And he's just heartsick about it. He's broken up about it. And Abraham calls in his oldest and trusted servant, who's unnamed in this uh, passage here, but we know from other passages of Scripture, his name's Eleazar. And he orders Eleazar to help find a bride for his son, Isaac. So Abraham gets with Eleazar, gives him some instructions. He's trying to figure out God's plan for Isaac. Specific thing. Very specific. Now, the first essential principle as we jump in here about knowing God's plan for your life is, this is number one in your notes, look for it. Look for it. And with that, let's read about it. Genesis chapter 24. We'll read verses 1 through 10. It says this, Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, Please put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but you will go into my country to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. We've got to stop right there because you just cannot read this, put your hand under my thigh without a little explanation, right? <laughs> it was custom in that time for, for two men to swear an oath to place their hand on each other's thigh, look each other in the eyes, which you would be doing, amen? And make that promise. You know, aren't you glad we don't do that today? Aren't you glad we shake hands? Aren't you glad Gary doesn't finish up and go, All right, Orchard Church, turn around and place your hand under somebody's thigh. And then, you know, next we'll do the welcome or something. <laughs> Y'all turn around and be like, Awkward moment. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> That that is not our custom today, right? And so uh, th that's what's going on there. But 
He, he makes him swear. Now look, look what he makes him swear by. The, the Lord, the God of heaven, and he says this in verses 3 and 4. He says, don't take a daughter from among the Canaanites in which we live. I want you to go back to where I am from, to my land, and you're going to find a woman there. And what he was saying in our vernacular today, we would say it like this. Don't take an ungodly woman and... Bring this ungodly woman back for Isaac to marry. I want Isaac to marry a godly woman. By the way, that is a very cool thing. We don't talk about that very much anymore in our culture. But let me tell you what. For you to be equally yoked of somebody of the same faith and belief system is a very great thing. And, and when you are not, it is very frustrating, and I know that is, that is taking place, and it happens all the time, and some of you right now are in that situation, and, and you know how difficult and how frustrating that can be. Oh, gosh, we're going to raise our kids like this, or we're going to raise our kids like this. And so if you're out there this morning, and you, you haven't crossed that line yet, where you, you, you're not married yet, you're, you're not dating somebody yet, just, you know, tuck that one away. It's a very cool thing to be paired up with somebody of the same faith. And that, that's, what, that's what Abraham was saying here. Eleazar, this is what where you're swearing by. You're going to go back to my country, back to my land, and you're going to find a godly woman for Isaac. Okay, that was just an assistant pastor rant. That wasn't even in the notes, people. Okay, I don't even know where we are. All right. Okay. Uh, look with me at verse 4. We read this, but let's recap. But you, will, but you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. He's giving, Abraham is giving to his servant instruction. Here are my instructions, Eleazar. Here's what I want you to do. And this instruction comes from Abraham. Let's continue. Verse 5 says this. And the servant said to him, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me back to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I will give this land, he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if a woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, for all of his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. And we'll stop right there. So we've got Eleazar, the servant. He, he, he swears by this. He makes this oath. He rolls into Nahor here. It's, uh, theologians tell us it's at least 450, 500 miles a journey here. He's got 10 camels, remember that, 10. And he is to figure out who God has for Isaac. Now this is like finding a needle in a haystack, right? There was no e-harmony, you know, or Christian mingle, or even Facebook, uh, and, and the, you know, those are okay things. We're starting to see uh, weddings and marriages happen now. People who have met online and, and uh, we'll see that more and more. But they, there was none of that. They, this was not Eleazar rolling into town with a sign on his neck and, and asking if you wanted to be on Bachelor. You know? 
on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette or what have you. you know, none of that. This wasn't going on. You know, this, he had none of those things. He was going there, swearing an oath from God, looking, looking for God's specific plan here. Not a societal breakdown that we call television. So, he goes in, rolls into town, and here he is. Eleazar, listen, he sought God's wisdom for choosing Isaac's bride-to-be because he knew God had spoken through Abraham. You know, God had been speaking through Abraham. Eleazar knew that he could look for God's plan in Abraham's wisdom because God had been speaking through Abraham. Today, we have the word of God. And it is more sure than anything else. We have the word of God to look to for guidance. We, we've got to be in the word of God on a regular basis. The more and more we are in the word of God, we see God's grand design and his specific plan for our lives. So we can go here and look for it. And look for his, his specific plan for us in, in helping us with that specific question. God, what should I do in this situation? Right, let me tell you what, folks. Scripture has everything we need. It has all of it. Everything that we need. Uh, how to live life. It, it is what we judge uh, all truth by. It is what we judge our fickle emotions by. You know, he speaks to us through his word. Like Eleazar could go to Abraham and hear from Abraham because at that time God was speaking through Abraham. Guys, this is the book which we measure all other truths by. Right here. You know, we've got to become conversant with it. We've got to know it. I mean, what happens if we don't know it? We, you, you've got to go through discipleship where you can get a good handle on God's word. And know where to turn and, and know where to go for help in these times. Know where the books inside this library we call the Bible are at. And, and listen, when we neglect being in this book, guess what happens? We start to think and act in an unbiblical way. And, and sometimes it's not, you know, it's not, it's unintentional is what I'm trying to say. Sometimes it's unintentional that... You know, we're not in it. We begin to think and act in a, in a way that doesn't line up with God's word. And then somebody tells us to do something that really doesn't line up with God's word. And we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I will do that. Be, because we're not in this enough. We, we've neglected to be in the word of God. So we, we must be in the word of God. It is 2 Timothy 3.16 that says this, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Just like Abraham gave instruction, we have instruction. We've got to look for it. That's how you're going to figure out God's plan for you. I'll tell you what, if you neglect that, you, you won't figure out God's plan for you. It, it's as simple as that. If you say, God, I don't want your word, I don't want to hear your word, I don't want to be around your word. You, okay, well, you don't want to know my plan for you, is how God will reply. Because this is his word to us. 
And so we've got to be in this book, folks. How do you know God's plan for your life? We look for it. Uh, Number two, we ask for it. Ask for it. And as we continue in this account here of finding a bride for Isaac, look with me down to verse 12. Verse 12 says this, Then he said, this is the servant, Eleazar, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink, and she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. And we'll stop right there. So once you have gotten into God's word, it's time to go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his plan to be revealed to you specifically. One of the first things Eleazar did when he went out was to pray for God to reveal his choice. And isn't that interesting what he prayed? He prays some specific things here. And and let me tell you what. As we pray, there's nothing too insignificant for you to pray about and for I to pray about. Nothing is too insignificant. God wants to hear our requests. God wants to know. God, God is so interested in us. Even the little things that we may think are insignificant. But look at uh, Eleazar here, how specific he was. You know, he asks for this woman to come out and offer him water and then to offer to water his camels. Remember, there's ten of those there. Very specific. You know, I think what our problem is today is we're too general in our prayers. We're very general. Lord, bless me. Bless you how? Yeah, bless you with athlete's foot. Uh, Bless me how? Lord, give me this, give me a job. Which job? Is it wrong to pray specifically? No. Pray about how much you'd like to make. Pray about where that job is. Pray about when those hours will be for that job. You know, that's just one illustration in many. We can be specific in our prayers. Eleazar was very specific. We pray way too general. This is in your notes this morning. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Did you catch that? should be our first response, not our last resort. We're oftentimes, we're like, oh, I've got this big situation, and I'll ask all my friends, and then I'll post it on Facebook, and then I'll buy a book about it. Nothing helps. Has it come to that? I'll have to pray. No, 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 no. That's backwards. You've got to flip that. We should go to God first. Oftentimes, you won't have to go anywhere else. I mean, it's great to seek out wisely counsel and all of those things, but we go to God first. Eleazar is asking God for guidance. It's in James 1.5 that says this, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. And he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Well, that's a good verse right there. If we need wisdom, we can go to him and ask. So having 
read the word of God, then you ask, God, what would you have me do concerning my move, my job, my finances, my who to marry, my who to date, my, you know, all of those things, etc. That's, that's step two. So how do we know God's plan for our lives? We look for it. And we ask for it. And number three, we wait for it. Number three is wait. We wait for it. This is very important. Look with me down in verse number 21. And at this point, a young woman had come out and began to offer water and water some camels here. And verse number 21 says this, And the man, this is Eleazar, the servant, wondering at her, she's offered water, she's watering camels, wondering at her, remained silent, so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. I'll tell you this, the timing of God is just as important as the plan of God. Have you experienced that yet? The timing of God. His perfect plan also comes with a perfect time for it to happen. A perfect time for it. So not just a plan, but you also have God's timing involved in this as well. So even as he is sitting there and a woman comes out to offer him water, and it is Rebecca, and she meets all the standards that Eleazar has prayed about, he waited to see, and he was silent, and he wondered, is this the one? Has God made my way prosper? You know, it's easy for us when we pray about God's will or God's plan to then act quickly. You know, to act quickly on it. But many times God says wait, doesn't he? Wait. And when God says wait, church, it's for our good. It's for our good. Remember, he's looking at all of eternity and what is best for us. And it's just for our good. And when the time is right... He'll give that green light and we go ahead. But oftentimes we have to wait on the Lord. Eleazar wanted to see if, if she would offer water. And it begins to happen. And so he wonders and he's silent about it. What's she doing? He's watching her bring this water. And for 10 camels, 25 gallons apiece, hoist up this bucket of water every time at the well. And he's wondering, what, what is she doing? Is this God? She's working. This is a great young woman. She's not twerking. I said she's working. <laughs> she, she's offering water for the camels as well. And Eleazar's sitting there thinking, man, if she'll, she cares about camels, she'll care about a man. Right? And so she's, uh, she's doing all of this. And listen, church, our problem is many times we just want to act too quickly. We want to act too quickly, and there's a time for that. But there's many times we need to wait. You know, we live in such a culture where we're in a hurry, aren't we? We're just in a hurry everywhere. Uh, you know, we have on-demand music now and movies and uh, food, and you just Google it and all of those things. And, you know, those of you that just Google everything, we often, I'm one of them, we, we often wonder how people lived 
20 years ago. You know, just information at our fingertips. How much is it going to cost to go there and do that? Where's the directions for that? Bam, bam, bam. It is so fast. And the Lord often says, wait on me. And that's countercultural right now. Wait on me. It, because it, it is hard to wait. You know, we have a, uh, we have a puppy uh, named Fergie. And there she is. If I put that up for oohs and ahs for you. She's a, she's a labradoodle and she's not quite one. And, uh, you know, so we go to feed her twice a day. And uh, we're getting her food ready and all that. And when you say, do you want to eat? Or you pick up the bowl. Oh, it is on. It's just like this prance, you know, around the, the island and the kitchen and back and forth. And, you know, oh, my goodness. And we keep the food in the garage. And then you come back in with the food. And then, you, uh, you know, you've got the food there. And we put a little water on it because it slows her down. Cause she eats like she's a Hoover vacuum. And, uh, just, you know, just put a little water on it. Then you're going over where you're going to set it down. And, uh, and she's just like, she, she'll sit now if you tell her to sit. And you've got the food in your hand. And she's just like, you can see the energy bursting out of her seams as she's like, you know, does this with her feet kind of thing. Like, but are you going to set that thing down? Are you going to set that thing down? And I got to thinking, you know, that takes a few minutes to get her food ready and all that. And remember, they live in dog years. So to her, it's probably like a couple months. <laughs> so, so, you know, you finally put that down. And then, ah, you know, she tears into it and all that. But uh, we can be like that as well. You know, you want to know God's specific plan for your life. And he says, you just wait. Keep silent. Wonder about it through the word of God. Oh, and that can be so difficult. We can be like Fergie, just chomping at the bit, doing our little dance around, running off and doing stuff and pounding our paws and, and just being anxious for it. Consider this. I read this this week. If God says no... Or even slow down, it's for your own good. If the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If you are wrong, God says grow. But if the request, the timing, and you are right, God says go. So we need to wait on the timing of the Lord. How do we know God's plan for our lives? We look for it. We ask for it. We wait for it. Number four, we act on it. We act on it. And I want to bring you up to speed as, we, as you write act on it down there. And as we jump into this uh, next verse in verse 54. Rebecca offers water for him and the camels. Man, Eleazar is going, this is great. This is a big production. It's happening just like he prayed. Eleazar pulls out some bling and gives her uh, a nose ring and some bracelets. And, and, and you know, he shows uh, this is a legitimate thing here. And, and he pulls this out. Men notice here that he gave the bling after she watered the camels. Okay, just we'll point that out for you there. After she watered the camels. So she, she waters the camels. He pulls out this, these jewels. And, and he's legitimate by this. They go to her home. Her father is really not on the scene. And we're not sure why. But her oldest brother Laban is head of the home at this point. And Eleazar explains all. 
Basically, half of this is recounting everything from Abraham sending him out. And he, they offer him food and he says, yeah, 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 wait. Before I eat, i got to tell you a story. And he tells them and he explains everything that has happened. Now look with me at verse 54. Chapter 24, verse 54, it might be a page over. Verse 54 says this. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night. This is after telling the story of all that had happened. Then they arose in the morning and he said, send me away to my master. But her brother and mother said, let the young woman stay with us a few days. At least ten. So now a few is ten. After that, she may go. And he said to them, do not hinder me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away so that I may go to my master. And we'll stop right there. And so they say, well, why don't you stay a while? And he says, no, 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 no. We need, the Lord has prospered my way. It is time to act on this. In fact, let's get Rebecca in here and let's ask her if she wants to stay 10 days or not. And they bring in Rebecca and they're like, what do you want to do, honey? And she says, I see God's hand in all of this. I'm, I want to act on it. Rebecca knew this was of God. And they both knew, Eleazar and Rebecca knew, they needed to act on it. You know, for us, many times as we trust God and we live by faith and we pray about things and God answers, you know, I don't have a big blueprint for my life. You know, I don't have a closet somewhere with this blueprint of how the rest of my life is going to pan out. Wouldn't that be nice? But as God reveals his plan to me, and he is faithful, and I trust in him, the next part is then revealed. You ever see that? You ever see God working in your life like that? And then the next part is revealed. It's almost like they say in the military, on a need-to-know basis. You know, and as he is faithful, and as we trust him, the next part of the plan is revealed. And we can trust in him. And God reveals, hey, Barry, take this next step. And I do. And we act on it. And when we act, God reveals a new step. It's this prompting from God as we trust him by faith. And as we do that, God in your life is willing to reveal that next step for you. And the whole time, you will be in God's plan for you. Later in life, oftentimes, isn't this true with the luxury of hindsight, we look back and we go, oh, I didn't even realize, even through that difficult time, how much God was leading during that. Even more than we thought at the moment. Act on it. So we see in Eleazar's case here, and with Rebecca, they're, they're like, God has ironed this out. We see it. It's from God. We need to act on it now. Church, we need to act when God paves the way for us. When there is something that we can point to and clearly go, look what God has done. Guess what we need to do? Yeah, you got it. Act on it. And listen, let me encourage you by this. Don't put conditions on it. Once God has done something awesome, don't throw conditions on it. God has given me this opportunity. It's clear. It's what I've always wanted. Don't go, now I'll act on it. If I sell my house, or I'll act on it if this or that happens, or I get these benefits, or I get this salary, or I get this job, or if this happens. Don't put conditions on it. Oftentimes, God makes that way clear, and then we're to act on it and step out in faith. Not put our 
own man-made-up conditions on it that always impedes us and slows us down. You know, sometimes we even allow our parents or friends or other people around us to talk us out of God's plan for us. Church, when the Lord is at work, that's the time to keep going. That's the time to act. How do we know God's plan for our lives? We can look for it. We ask for it. We wait for it. We act on it. And then here's the good news. Number five in your notes this morning. God confirms it. God confirms it. Look at verse number 63 of chapter 24 now. They decide to go now and act on it. Verse 63 says this. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. Okay, so this is back home now where Isaac is waiting. He's out in the field meditating in the evening. He's wondering. He's thinking. He's praying. He's talking to God here. And verse 63 says he's out there in the field in the evening. And he lifts his eyes and looked. And there the camels were coming. He's returned. You see the camels are coming. Remember, Eleazar took ten because she had purses and shoes and makeup and servants and, you know, smart dude, right? He's not just going off with one camel. He, he, he brings this whole group back. And Isaac lifts up his eyes and he looks and he sees. Verse 64, then Rebekah lifted her eyes when she saw Isaac. She dismounted from her camel. That was a, was a sign of respect in that culture. For she said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? Which translated in the, in the Hebrew means, Who is this stud walking in the field to meet us? Just kidding. The servant said, It is my master. So she took a veil and covered herself. The sign that there would be a wedding. And so Isaac sees her. She sees him. And he's standing there going, how you doing? <laughs> and she's like, Eleazar, who is that? And Eleazar is like, yeah, that is him. That is my master. So this is, this is turning out good here. She puts a veil on, verse 66. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. So he recounts the story again. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent. And he took Rebekah and she became his wife. And he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So we see that Isaac was obedient to God's will. Waiting in the field. Praying. And that, that God confirmed his plan through Eleazar's return with Rebekah. Isaac looked up, saw the camels, you know. It was just confirmation that what God had done was he was bringing these two together. It was confirmation. And this is God's plan for their lives. Now, in the same way, for us, God will reinforce his plan by providing us exactly what we need. As we seek out his plan for us, he'll confirm it. And you'll see that confirmation, or you'll look back and you'll see that confirmation. He'll confirm it with blessing like we see in this story. 
Isaac trusted God and was rewarded with a God-blessed wife. You know, it's interesting that the longest chapter in Genesis, right here, the longest chapter in Genesis tells how a man got his wife and God's plan being revealed for both of their lives. And we cannot, I cannot pass over that without saying, if you're here this morning and you're single, or you're a teenager and you're, you're dating, you got a boyfriend or girlfriend, or you're hoping to have one one day, don't get in a rush. Don't get in a rush. Make all kinds of things happen on your own, but trust God. You know, I believe that, that God uh, picked my wife Stacy for me. I believe that. And me for her. And maybe some of you sitting there are going, yeah, we, me and my spouse, we believe the same thing for us. We believe God had his hand in that. We could see that through and through. If you don't have a spouse yet, let me just challenge you on this. Start praying for them now. We'll say, how can I pray for somebody I don't know? God knows them. Start praying about that person now. And then you need to wait on the Lord and trust in God in His timing. And, and listen, you're, you, again, singles, teenagers, your foremost concern about a person of the opposite sex should be, as a believer, do they love Jesus or not? Did you hear me? That should be your foremost concern. Not, uh, oh, are they nerdy? Are they not very high in the intelligence area? Are they too tall? Are they too short? Uh, you know, are they this or that? Do they wear weird pants from Costco? You know, I mean... Come on. <laughs> Do they love Jesus? Young people. Oh, she's hot. So is hell. <laughs> Primary concern. And all the, dad, all the dads with daughters said, that's right. I don't want to get on another rant there, but I um, heard one preacher say that, uh, you know, he had a daughter and he said, you, did, you know, boys will not pull up to my house and sit outside and honk the horn to pick my daughter up on a date. And, and I didn't, and then we got married. <laughs> Also heard one say that, uh, you know, a long time ago there was courting and that happened, in the, that happened in the parents' parlor, their front room, and dad was involved and mom was involved. And that's all changed. And I heard one dad say, uh, yeah, it'll be me, uh, Glock, my daughter, <laughs> and the young man. <laughs> Glock's a reference to a handgun. Uh, so, so I thought that, that was some pretty good uh, wisdom there too. 
So, I'm telling you, singles, those dating, that is so key. Do they love Jesus? Uh, when you trust his plan for your life, he will reward you by confirming it in a blessed way. That's what he did here with, with Isaac out in the field and Rebecca coming on the camels. He confirmed it in a blessed way and they were married and he loved her. You know, I mentioned that this was a love story. And, and it is. It's one of the great love stories in Scripture. It's also a love story about God's love for us. And there's some pictures here in this chapter. There's some representation, kind of like we saw last Sunday when Pastor Doug pointed out um, Isaac was a picture of Jesus, if you remember that. If you don't, go back, watch the video online. There's a key part there at the end of the message. So in our passage today, think of yourself as Rebecca here, okay? The Bible says that we are the bride of Christ, the church. As believers, we're the bride of Christ, called the church, you know? And, and that's, that's, that's a picture here. So with that, we see in our story the will of the father Abraham is that his son would have a bride, right? And the picture of that is this. Our Heavenly Father, the will of Him is that His Son, Jesus, would have a bride, the bride of Christ, the church. And we see Jesus and this bride coming together in the book of Revelation. Here's a second picture. The bride in our story was thought of before she even knew it. God sent Eleazar to find Rebekah, even when she had no idea that she would become Isaac's wife. She had, she had no clue here. Likewise, God thought of you and I and loved us before we were born. And when we were alive and still in sin. A third picture is this. The servant in our story, Eleazar, he was sent into a far country to invite Rebecca to come, to call her, to win her, to bring her back at last to the father's house where a son is waiting to claim a bride for himself. For himself. And the picture of that is this. God, our Heavenly Father, sent His Spirit, His servant, into the world, the Holy Spirit, to call out people for God's name, to win them, to win a bride for His Son, Jesus Christ. And a fourth picture is this. We saw in our story today how Isaac was waiting. He was out in the field waiting to receive his bride. And the picture is Jesus today is waiting to receive us at what the book of Revelation describes as the marriage supper of the Lamb, where He and the church all saved, will be united together. So this is not only a love story about Isaac and Rebekah, but also a picture of how our Heavenly Father comes after us and searches us out to be His bride. God's plan for your life and my life, it can be known, it can be discovered, and it can be followed but we must look for it. We, we have to ask God about it and for it. We're oftentimes going to have to wait on it. And then when the timing is right, we have to act on it and then watch God confirm it.
Let me ask you this something this morning. Each of you as individuals, is there something you've been wondering about? Struggling about? A decision? Not a no-brainer like, you know, should I get baptized or should I be a part of a local church? But God's specific plan for you. A decision. Maybe it concerns work or your spouse, or maybe your extended family, and you know, you're already stressing out because the holidays are getting close. You know? Or maybe, maybe it has to do with you know, your boss, or your children, and they're little right now, and there's some things you're struggling with about decisions that you're going to help them make and make for them. I'd venture to say that almost everybody in this room is there right now with something. And the good news is you can know God's plan for your life. You can know it. We've got to take those steps. Don't sit there paralyzed with fear. Man, get into it. Get into the Word of God. Begin to ask Him. Let's bow our heads together for just a moment, church. Uh, some of you may be here this morning and you've joined us and you, maybe you didn't realize how much God loves you. Maybe, you didn't, maybe you're here this morning you and you never realized how much God is concerned with you as an individual. You didn't know He had a plan for your life. You thought maybe you were just another face in the crowd and kind of that was it. Uh, but nothing can be further from the truth. He loves you. He has a plan for you. He is interested in, in you and the little things. And most importantly, He wants you to know Him, to discover His plan for your life. If that's you this morning, I've got to ask, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have God living in you? That you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Do you know that beyond a shadow of a doubt? If not, I urge you to do that today. And if that's you, if you're here right now and you go, I, I'm not 100% sure, I have some doubt, even just a sliver of doubt, I want to lead you in a prayer in just a moment where you can call out to God, you can express your faith in Him. The Bible says that when you do that, you are saved. When you place your faith in Him, not in you, not in your family, not in your schemes or plan A's or plan B's, but when you trust in Jesus and Jesus alone, the Bible calls you saved, guarantees you a home in heaven for eternity. So if that's you, would you just, from your heart to God, pray this prayer along with me. God, thank you for loving me. I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me of my sins. Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. Help me as I walk with you and discover your plan for my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. If you're here this morning and you'd say, you know what? Um, Pastor Barry, for the very first time ever, I, I received Christ today. I, I said that from my heart to God. I, I meant it. I, I place my faith in Jesus today. Boy, I want to celebrate with you. I want to pray for you. Nobody's going to be looking at you or pointing you out or nothing like that. 
but by just a testimony, if you would slip up your hand with me right now, if you'd just say, I received Christ today. In this service right here, I placed my faith in Jesus today. Would you slip your hand up right where you're seated? Right, one hand right there, another right over here. Thank you, sir. Right over here, thank you, sir. Any other hands as we celebrate these today? Any other hands anywhere? Right up here in the middle, thank you, sir, for trusting Christ today. Let me talk to believers for just a moment. If you're here and you'd say, you know what, I've, I've kind of been trying to figure out God's plan for myself. And I, I don't talk to God about it. I talk to my friends and I look in magazines and I buy books or I, or I do this and that. But the last thing I really do is go to God. And I want that to change. I want to be a person of faith who goes to God first. Would you pray for me, Barry? If that's you today and you're a believer, you say, I want to be a person of faith. I want to go to God first. I want to change how I'm doing that. Would you just slip up your hand wherever you're at? Just slip your hand up so I can pray for you this morning. Thank you. Hands in every single section. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for those hands. Thank you for those hands. Father God, we thank you for this morning and thank you so much for your word to us in this incredible story of love, but also on finding your plan for our lives that, that you've left for us in Genesis 24. God, thank you for it. And I, I pray now for those many hands that went up and said, I, I received Christ today. God, I pray that you'd help them grow and get connected and stay around here and stick and find some friends and family that will lift them up and support them. And God, I just pray that you would encourage them today. And Lord, for all the believers who said, yeah, God, I, I want to put you first. I want to go after my plan by looking to you first and foremost, Lord. I pray that you would remind us of today and remind us of these scriptures we looked at. Help us not to panic and go other directions. Help us to put you first in all situations in our lives. And it is in Jesus' good name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Can we celebrate all the decisions made for Christ today? Absolutely.